What's up, people? And thank you all for watching The Uncommitted, a basketball recruiting podcast here on the New Generation Media YouTube channel and the New Generation uh, Podcast Network on, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn. Um, I'm your host, EJ Stewart. we got a great show for you guys today. We'll be talking about the shocking commitment of McCurr Maker to Howard. This not just sent ripple effects through the basketball recruiting world, but also ripple effects through the basketball world, the sports world overall as a, as a whole. As we kind of piece together and try to figure out what this means moving forward. We'll also be talking about Imani Bates, who would have been the top story in any other uh, situation given his commitment to Michigan State. I have some doubts about how long that's going to last, whether or not that, whether or not that commitment is going to be followed through. But uh, I'm curious to see what my, my buddy Kendall, who's with me as always, has to say. We also got uh, Chet Holmgren cutting down his list of the top seven schools for, for his recruitment and ESPN's top 25 players of the 2023 class. It does include Bronny, does include Mikey Williams. But where these certain players are and, and where they rank them was controversial. So we'll be discussing that. So, Kendall, you joined me on this podcast. It's good to have you as always. What are you looking forward to talking about today? I'm looking forward to talking about all these topics. Um, you know, obviously, you're a Gonzaga fan. I'm a Memphis fan. So the Chet Holmgren recruitment will be a, uh, a fun one to watch. Uh, typically, Memphis comes out on top against Gonzaga when they play on the court. Uh, historically, what? so. What are you talking um, about? Yeah, Google it. Google it for the fans okay, that don't know whatever. that. <laughs> um, but, so I'm, I'm excited about that, but I'm also excited to talk about the 2023 class because it's a class that, uh, you know, has been kind of high profile because of, you mentioned Mikey Williams and Bronny James, but there may be some other names that will emerge from that class that could be, uh, could have an even bigger impact on the basketball world than even those two. So I'm excited. Yeah, it should be a good show. It should be a good discussion uh, all around. Let's begin, as I said, top of the show. Class of 2025 star McCurr Maker really made a shocking announcement when he said that he would be committing to play college basketball for Howard University. Maker is the highest rated uh, recruit to commit to an HBCU since ESPN has been ranking recruits and, and established his recruiting branch in 2007. He's ranked right now at number 16 in the 2020 class. He said uh, in a statement talking about his commitment, quote, I need to make the HPCU movement real so that others will follow. I hope I inspire guys like Mikey Williams to join me on this journey. Kendall, how surprised were you by Maker's uh, decision? And uh, and what do you think? What do you think about this whole situation? This is a guy who had put his name in the NBA draft. So this was yeah. very surprising to hear. Now he's committing to a college, and it's an HBCU. Yeah, I mean, I think this recruitment had always been an odd one. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, McCure Maker is the cousin of Thon Maker uh, and, you know, has the same, uh, you know, guardian, Ed Smith, uh, same guardian as Thon Makers who, who ran Thon Makers recruitment that ended up him going straight from uh, the prep world to uh, the NBA. Most people assume McCurr Maker would be would be taking the same jump. He, as you mentioned, he had entered his name in the NBA draft. I believe he has yet to take his name out of the NBA draft. Right. Uh, he still has time to do that if he wants to. Um, but most people assumed he was going straight to the NBA, and I did. 
Uh, all of the recruiting smoke had been mostly around Kentucky and UCLA. You know, he had taken a visit to Howard. And, you know, I always assumed between him and Josh Christopher, who had also taken a visit to Howard, that he seemed more likely to go to Howard only because the options that he was talking about never seemed realistic. Kentucky was recruiting every other big man in the class, ended up with Oliver Saar, a transfer out of Wake Forest, who they're excited about if he can get eligible along with, along with other big men that they already have signed. Um, UCLA uh, has a plethora of big men that they are bringing back, um, although obviously McCormaker would, would have been able to play there. He would have been able to play at all these schools. He's a great player. Uh, but Memphis recruiting Musa Cisse very hard. They got in the mix late, it seems. Um, and Howard was the one that made the most sense. So it was like, yeah, I mean, they need him more than any of the other schools. So if he was going to go anywhere, it's Howard did make sense. And when he announced yesterday that he was making his commitment, uh, he said it was going to be in the next week. And he decided to do it the, in, in the middle of the night at 3 a.m. <laughs> but uh, when he announced he was making his commitment, I assumed it was to Howard because those other schools didn't seem didn't seem very didn't seem to be prioritizing him the same way. So look, it's a, it's a great day for Howard basketball. It's a great day for uh, the HBCUs um, from an athletic standpoint. Not just basketball, honestly. This is something that we could see in football. You know, that's a little less likely because it's not F- FBC. It's not the FBC FBS level, I should say. Um, but it's still, you know, I think this is something that a lot of people are going to look at and say, "Wow, this could be a game changer." Um, but I think the question I would have is, all right, is McCord Maker, you know, we talk about Imani Bates, we'll talk about him, whether or not he'll ever play college basketball. Is McCord Maker actually going to take his name out of the NBA draft? Um, because we're talking about a guy that's still, I mean, I, I would look at it as probably a second round prospect right now, given there's not a whole lot that we know about him. At the high school level, he's played in AAU tournaments, but he played in the Adidas circuit, which is weaker than the Nike EYBL. Uh, he played at Hillcrest Prep, uh, prominent prep school out in Arizona, but you know, we don't, we don't, we're not completely sure in terms of the NBA level. So it's just like his brother or his cousin, rather, um, who also uh, had a lot of mystery around him. And he has even more mystery than Thon. Thon was kind of a cult hero in the high school basketball world for three, four years. We, he'd been a, a you know, a, a legend. Uh, whereas McCor kind of has been more of a guy who's kind of come and risen more in the last couple of years. Um, so, look, it'll be interesting to see whether or not he goes to the NBA or not. But regardless, I think this is a huge move. I think if he plays college basketball, he's going to dominate. If you watch McCormaker's tape, he's gonna dominate. He's gonna dominate the uh, the MEAC conference. You know, we're gonna talk about we're talking about a guy that's gonna be a twenty and ten player. So I, I'm very excited to see that if it happens. And John Morant really showed us that you can do you can play at the mid major level and still be a top five pick. Um, so I, I'm I'm certainly excited about this, and you know I'm sure a lot of people are. Yeah, this is this is uh this was awesome news, man. When I when I when I heard this uh this news, I, I got really excited because this is what we wanted to see. You know, we knew it was gonna take one brave soul to say, you know what? I know they're not gonna have the best facilities, I know they might not have the greatest infrastructure, but there's a, a greater there's a greater good <laughs> there's a greater good, there's a, a greater purpose 
for this decision and it takes a little bit of selflessness to do it and i, I really commend this young man mccord maker for for making that call no pun intended to say you know what i'm gonna be the one you know someone's got to do it uh we, we've got to start to represent our uh, historically black colleges we gotta kind of you know you know kind of you know not stiff arm some of these big schools but kind of let them know hey man like you're not going to just be able to just woo me with you know all the the bells and whistles you know and not provide anything in terms of helping the black community as a whole i i think that this was an important message that needed to be sent it just to do that you know just like when any kind of social causes it takes some it takes a lot of selflessness so for McCurr Maker to be the guy to say, you know what, I'll do it. Especially when you had a guy who was talking about entering the draft. Like, to me, that's even more crazy because you're like, this guy was trying to, and we'll see what, what happens with that, but this yeah. guy was trying to potentially be a millionaire. Yeah, when I see... Now he's like, you know what, I'm going to take my talents to an HBCU. And, like, these, you know, the schools are great. It's not the schools. Yeah. It's the athletic programs that programs are when I actually, when I see people, like, articles being written about, oh, you know, McCurr Maker picks... Uh, Howard over Kentucky, UCLA, and Memphis. I part of me is like I think they're burying the lead because look, I mean, honestly, again, those schools. Uh, I don't think they're recruiting them as hard as they as hard as they're recruiting other guys because I think there were a lot of people skeptical about whether he'd play college basketball. But I think they're burying the lead in the sense that look, he's if 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 he is indeed in fact playing at Howard, uh, Howard next year, he's picking Howard over the NBA. You know, like, he's a guy who can go straight to the NBA. If you're picking Howard basketball over the NBA coming out of high school, that's a huge, huge deal. So, I mean, not on top of some of the others, those other schools. Look, I don't think, you know, I think Memphis, again, I think they were focused on Moose Cisse, but it's still the fact that he had a standing offer from all three of those schools and he decided to go to Howard is a, uh, it's a tremendous get for Howard basketball for the HBCUs. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, like you said, that that's a that's a, a massive risk. Now you could say, okay, well, if he kept his name in the draft, he he's a second round pick, very likely not a first round pick. And you know, when you're a second round pick, you could be undrafted. Like that's we've seen guys that we thought were yeah. locked second round picks that somehow don't. What happened to Jalen the Q? Right. Last came so, straight out of high school, went undrafted. It was a for a lot of people a you know kind of. The, the tale of you know don't yeah. overreact sometimes to the hype of where you are in high school and be realistic. Um, and look, Jalen Lequeu, you know he's on the Suns roster last year. I think they like him in Phoenix. Um, got a two way contract, but I think he may. I think he would have been better served playing college basketball. Yeah, absolutely. His draft stock, um, how he was viewed going into his eventual rookie year would have been so much different had he gone to college. So, so in, in fairness to Maker, or at least in fairness to kind of weighing the risk he's taking, there was also massive risk of keeping your name in a draft as a high school player who came with a lot of mystery, who a lot of people aren't that sure about, who's only the 16th best, according to ESPN, the 16th best player in the high school class. There's There's a lot of risk there. So, like, perhaps he looked at the situation and said, is this the best thing for me? Do I want to end up like Jalen LeCue? And I'm not saying that you know, LeCue is in a bad position. He still can make his own destiny. He's a very young player. But he may have looked at it and said, I could take this flyer and spend the whole year next year in the G League, basically. Because that's what was going to happen, regardless of whether he was drafted or not drafted. 
or I could make a real bold move, make a difference, make a name for myself. Um, I already saw that he's got interviews lined up with first take, and uh, he's doing something with the undefeated. I mean, he's doing the, the ESPN car wash. I think uh, uh, next Thursday, and that's why this was. That's why I think it, it's it was great to see a kid finally kind of see the value in this because. A lot of guys was kind of like, yeah, but, yeah, but, but, like, now, look, I mean, again, making, uh, Maker is now a household name, a guy who most people never heard of before today, and, um, and that's because he made this bold decision, he becomes a piece of history, and it's unfortunate that it took so many years for anybody to figure this out, but I was thinking about it, man, yo, Generation Z, they got us, millennials, we trash compared to them, because, See the way Mikey's talking. See the way McCurr Maker is making these moves. Like, I'm like, we, you know, I know millennials. We like to kind of think of ourselves as the people that are kind of very righteous and very much about kind of uh, uh, being being uh, valuing things over the dollar per se. But you know, Generation Z, you know, shout out to them, man. They got they got great viewpoints. They got great views on on the world. And to see them carrying us in 2020, because they they have been carrying us in 2020. It, you know, I, I, they've been carrying. They've been carrying the millennials and the uh, Generation X, uh, like LeBron carrying Wade and Bosch in that last finals when they were getting washed by the Heat by the by the Spurs. Um, yeah. And McCurr yeah, Maker yeah, just I, adding. He's adding to a blowout. It's been a rough year, but this was awesome news to hear. I I hope that when just like we talked about with Mikey Williams, if McCurr Maker decides I'm gonna go to the NBA. You know, I don't say it was a publicity stunt, but like it was, it was great for uh, the movement. You know, I think this still will still have positive effects, even if he goes to the NBA, in terms of legitimizing this 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 idea and showing guys this is the praise and this is the publicity you'll get if you do make this kind of move. More so than if you decide, hey, I'm gonna go to Wake Forest or I'm gonna go to, you know, Arizona State. I can go to uh, Howard or I can go to. It's not just Howard. We gotta make clear. Obviously, it could be Hampton, it could be Southern, it could be Grambling, it could be any of those uh, HBCUs. But I just hope he doesn't get chastised if he decides to go to the NBA. Oh well, he will. I mean, unfortunately, that's our society. We love to say, "Ha ha!" You know, look at you. Like we always, we're all about collecting the receipts. So, and, and to be honest, I think that's why he's going to go through with it. I, I, I think, I, I think he, I think he got. I think he's at a position where whatever whatever thoughts he had about going to the NBA, he's gotten enough feedback to realize that was not going to be a good option. So he's trying to come up with a second option, and he came up with a great one, one that I think was way better than and, anything he could have came up with, in my opinion. And I think it's very low risk. You know, we talk it, about the risk, but I think why wouldn't you – I talked about this with Josh Christopher like, why wouldn't you go to a school where you can go and average 25 points a game, 20 points a game? Maybe that means I'm disrespecting the, the, the level of talent, but... You're not. I'm being, he's averaging 20 points a game next year. Yeah, and he is. I agree. Especially as a seven-footer. Like, mid-major guards, we were talking, mid-major guards are serious in any conference. You know, like in the H- in the HBCUs and the MEAC slack. Maybe yeah, they got they, yeah, they, yeah, they got you. If you six one and you playing D one ball, you're nasty. Yeah, newsflash to anybody who's first, ever played first, basketball. Watch those first four games between you know NT Central and, and Texas Southern. Those guards are nasty. The problem is they don't have big men. Their centers are six seven, six six. 
guys that you know I don't know where they found them. Yeah, they guys guys that are playing on the football team. They need to. They just gave him. They just gave him a jersey. Are they center? So now you have McCoy, those guys trying to get McCord Maker. Are you kidding me? That seven footer with the handle of a guard? No way. He's gonna average twenty points a game next year. And it's going to be fun to watch, and I think his draft stock could improve because of that. There will be people saying, who is he playing against? But sometimes it doesn't matter. Look at John Moran. Yeah, and I don't know And I don't know what, what Howard's schedule is like next year, but as we've seen with a lot of these guys that play at these small schools, you know, all it may take is just one or two games against top-notch opponents, and people will see, you know, if maybe they got a non-conference game. They probably going to get blown out by anybody that's good because that's how bad, like, these low – the, the MEAC conference teams are at this point. Like, they're very low major. But, they tend to play tough schedules. Yeah, yeah, because they got to get the money. That's the only way they get the bag is to just go play North Carolina and get beat by 50. Like, so they, they but they'll they'll make a million dollars off of it. So, you know, it's a win-win, I guess, for both sides. But, yeah, he, he goes North Carolina and get beat by 30, but he yeah, he puts 30, he gets puts up a 30-point box score. Or they make the NCAA tournament in a 16, uh, 1-16 matchup. He, you know, he puts up a really nice game. Like, people are going to look at that tape and say, yo, when he played against, you know, elite-level competition, he played great. And instead of some of these other kids who are playing against that kind of competition, you know, 15 to 20 times a year in their conference, maybe Maker only has to play these guys twice, three times. And he could have great games. And now we look at this and say, wow, man, not only did he kill it against all these other kind of mid-major, low-major teams, but then when he did get the chance to get to play against top-notch opponents, he shined. And he likely will because he's not going to be – playing with other top guys on his team. So when they play against North Carolina or, you know, NC State or somebody like that, he's going to be getting the ball every play. He's going to have every opportunity to, to eat. So, again, you know, the, the the limelight in terms of, like, making the tournament, being on ESPN every night, all that stuff, yeah, like, that's stuff you're going to have to sacrifice. But I, I agree. Didn't have it. I mean, he went to the tournament, but he didn't have the, the ESPN – uh, games. His games were on ESPN Plus when ESPN Plus was a bad investment. <laughs> and and John Morant started getting real talk about him being a top top pick when in those early games against SEC teams with Alabama and Auburn and like yeah, they lost. But this guy is I mean, he's unbelievable. Like you know you just you watch the game you see like okay this guy is serious. He's the best yeah. player on the court. I, I was wondering who was who was the last guy. That was a top five pick out of a legitimate mid-major before John Morant. And let's say Adam, I, mean, I would say Adam Morrison, head, but let's can't think even back. take out Adam Morrison. I feel like there are guys before Adam Morrison or since Adam Morrison. Top five picks? Yeah, this got to be somebody. I, 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 can't, I can't think of them, but I'm saying I feel like they, there are. You're, you're putting me on the spot, so I, I'd have to look it up. Like Olo Candy in 98. A long time ago, number one pick, mm-hmm. but like it, it's it's rare. We have a guy from a, like a low major or a mid traditional mid major. Well, you have guys drafting the top ten, Gordon Hayward, Steph right. Curry, but top five. And I'm not saying McCurry is going to be drafting the top five, but I do think that something like what we saw from John Morant is going to open guys' eyes to oh wow, I can get drafted in the top five from Murray State. Yeah, I can be the number two pick in the draft and win rookie of the year. Wow! So, I mean, it's great. You'd love to see it. Unless yeah, you're man. Barry or Coach K. Yeah, 
Yeah, man. Shout out to shout out to uh, to Booker Maker. If he does uh, end up going to Howard, and hopefully we end up having some kind of basketball this season. Best of luck to him moving forward. We're gonna be excited to see how that all shakes out. It's a wonderful thing he's trying to do there. Okay, again, a guy who would have been the top story in almost any other day, but uh, is relegated to the, to, the, to the second story today. Imani Bates, the reigning Gatorade Player of the Year, the top player in the class of 2022. Uh, also surprised people by announcing a commitment this week. He is uh, committing to Michigan State. Now, I have great doubts about whether or not this will stick, because in the actual announcement that he made, the first words that came out of Bates' mouth was, who knows what the future holds but this is what i'm gonna do for now basically the first words are true the what are we gonna do for the future now that's different but he said who knows what the future holds but i'm announcing my commitment to michigan state it's almost like i mean that's like the if i was Izzo, i'd be like i okay thanks i guess i mean it's better than not being picked i, I suppose but you can't, i can't feel confident in a player who's saying who knows what the future holds when he's making it literally the word is commitment <laughs> like Imagine if you you talking to your significant other and you're like I don't know the future holds, but I think we should we should go out. <laughs> that, yeah, it's not the not what you want to hear. So um, I'm sure Izzo was happy to hear that he was picked, but I think that he's probably nervous about whether or not he can actually get this to stick. Monty Bates is from Michigan, um, so this is him staying within the state. Kendall, do you think that this Bates commitment will will stand? I think there are more reasons to believe it stands than maybe more people are getting or than most people are giving it credit for. Um, I think I don't think the NBA one and done rule is going to change by the time he's eligible to play college basketball, mm. and I think that's an important factor. I think two years ago, if you would have asked me, I would have said, "Yeah, that rule. The NBA is going to by hook or by crook make sure that that rule is changed before Imani Bates plays high plays." college basketball it seems like they're really hardline on this idea of we want to have all these different uh concessions before we give before we give you the one and done back or take away the one and done mm-hmm. um, and it's it's they're at a stalemate and they have there's been no progress now in theory that's something that can be bargained at any time so they could at the snap of a finger tomorrow relent on that and say yeah, you know what? We're gonna get rid of that, and if the player association's cool with it, they'll be like, "All right." So yeah. that makes you think that, like, in any negotiation, things as we saw with baseball, things can be uber contentious until a snap of a finger, everybody's fine and the deal goes through. So <laughs> right now, things seem very contentious between the NBA and the player association on that subject, but. If the NBA has enough motivation at the snap of a finger, they can change that rule. So that doesn't make you think there's a possibility. But as of right now, I would predict that rule doesn't get changed. And if it doesn't get changed, I think there's a good chance he plays college basketball. He's made He made quotes to Jeff Borzello of ESPN talking about how the G League route isn't really for him. It's not something he really wants to do. Um, I, I feel like he's probably, or his dad and his people, have probably talked to the G League at this point. Um, I'd be shocked if they didn't. If they hadn't, then I'd be like Rod Strickland, Sharif Abdul Rahim. What are you guys doing? Get on the phone. But um, assuming they've they've had communication, I would think that they've already put out. They've already communicated what kind of number they would offer to the Bates family. And if that's the case, 
and they still decided to commit to Michigan State, I don't think he's going to the G League. And because I most people would assume, oh, the G League is going to offer that dude a million dollars. That's just that's it's an easy investment. He's by far the, the biggest guy, the best guy you could have for that program. Um, so I, I'm I'm not going to say it's likely that he plays at Michigan State, but I wouldn't say it's a zero percent chance or a five percent chance. I think I think Michigan State made a excellent investment because if you don't get Imani Bates, then you just tip your hat and say, wow. Uh, it's unfortunate, but we're Michigan State, so we'll still be competitive. They're never they're never made by one player. They were just as competitive last year with Josh Langford as opposed to without him. Josh Langford was their second best player in the team. Um, so I think, and but if you do happen to if Imani Bates does decide for whatever reason, yeah, I'll play college basketball. Well, now you have a guy who seems to be the second coming of Kevin Durant playing in Tom Izzo's system. With probably other senior laden, with a full, with a senior laden roster or other five stars, because other guys are going to want to play with Imani Bates. So I think this is an excellent deal if you're Tom Izzo. And look, Imani Bates making an early commitment, surprising people on SportsCenter. I think he, I think the the straw that broke the the camel's back was when last week we had the 2022 class. It was their first chance for coaches to actually call or text recruits directly. And a lot of guys were breaking all, you know, this is the first school that called me at midnight uh, to, you know, offer me a scholarship or, you know, say they want me or whatever. And Imani Bates, most people assumed he's not going to get a whole lot of calls, but he'll get one from Izzo. He'll get one from Jawan Howard. He'll probably get one from Cal Perry. Jawan Howard and Cal Perry did not call him. It was only Tom Izzo, which uh, is kind of messed up because you're like, man, this guy, Imani Bates, the only school that even recruiting him is, is Michigan. But Jawan Howard also waved the white flag because he's like, I'm not competing with the G League and Michigan State. So um, once that happened, <laughs> I, I, I think he was, I think he was yeah. considering both Michigan and Michigan State. I think he's going to give Jawan Howard a chance. But. I think once Jawan Howard stopped recruiting, he's like, well, I'm not going anywhere else. I'm not leaving the state of Michigan. So it, it became an easy choice. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think that tells me that there's got to be some kind of something going on behind the scenes that we don't know. Yeah, somehow it became so Michigan State did something that got them an inside track that was insurmountable. And. I can't imagine. I don't know what it is because I was going to ask you: Is this is probably the? I don't. Has Izzo ever gotten the number one guy in the country? No, no, right? Like, I mean, I know, I, I you know, that's a, a he's been coaching for a long time. That's a bold statement, but I think we have a good enough recollection of the kind of players he's brought in, and even his best recruits. I mean, the only guy I could think of that was close may have been Zach Randolph. I don't think he was number yeah. one. Yeah, I don't. I, I couldn't tell. Like you consensus, clear number one. Like I like that's the only guy I can think of. I was like, he was close. He he, if he wasn't number one, he was top five. Right. But, he may have been one of, if not the best freshman in college basketball. Yes, but that oh, was that true. Was, I watched him play. Yeah. So, but, know, but went to the NBA. Yeah. So Izzo Izzo hasn't snagged this kind of guy before. So to me, that tells me that there was. Clearly, they established uh, that program and the Bates family and Bates himself. They established a relationship early on that uh, he felt very comfortable with that 
I don't know if it was because of um, the G League now becoming more of a factor or just because of the strength of the relationship that the Michigan State staff had with Bates. Those other schools just didn't think they had a chance. So they didn't uh, waste their time. I would say, I also think that to me, they, they all think it's early. And they all feel like, like, I, I don't think this commitment is going to stand because of his own words. You know, I, I don't think that when you say, uh, you know, what, who knows what the future holds. I think it, 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 this commitment, the way you explained it, it's how I take it. Is I feel like he's, he's been boxed into a corner because no one else, they are recruiting him, but nobody really is doing the, the, the groundwork that you would need to actually get this kind of get to commit, except Michigan State. Right, and he yeah. can't commit to the G League now, and he doesn't sound like he really wants to do the G League. So, and, you know, any kind of opportunities in Europe or in Australia, he's not going to know that now. He, he really yeah. would, that would come later on. So, yeah, he's not going to do the Jeremy Tyler and say, you know what, right. I'm going to just spend like four years in Japan. Right. Yeah. So, even if he changes his mind, he's not, he's not going to get a good enough offer at this point in time to make him even consider that. So,. So that's that's off the window. So Michigan State was the only place there. Now you could say, well, why would you commit so early? I I think for him it was like, why not? He seems to be the kind of kid that like, um, I don't know. He just seems to be the kind of kid that's like very much like matter of factly driven. And he's I, I don't just think like, he's I don't think he's in this for the flash. No, I don't think so either. You that's know, not like the there are some guys. You know, obviously we don't need to name names. There's some guys where you wonder like, all right, you know, you know, like they, they put more into the announcement. They put right, so much into their announcement, announcement and it's like, to their brand. Right, like, yeah. I, think he's, I think him and his dad are, are are cognizant of, you know, his talent level and his and what he's worth and things of that nature. But I don't think like, you know, they so they put their joint ESPN, but it was you could tell like his body language wasn't like, yeah. oh yeah, you know, where's the camera? He kind of was like, yeah, I guess I'm doing this. Yeah, he kind of didn't look comfortable even being in that situation. <laughs> you know, like, I guess kinda, I'm to like I'm not saying that he's Kawhi Leonard, but he, I did get Kawhi vibes from him <laughs> during that right. yeah. interview. And it's funny because like you get these kind of players who are these big phenoms, typically you get you know, in basketball at least, they come with big personalities, you know. Right. Um, even like, if yeah, they're yeah. even if they're even they're polished like someone like LeBron James. Like he was polished but he, he had a personality. He was not yeah. shy of the camera, you know. Um Imani Bates is not like those guys in terms of a personality standpoint. He seems to be like seems to be a strictly seems to be a yeah. He seems social media follow. Yeah, he seems to be a strictly business kind of kid, which is great. I love that about him, and I think that's why I think that's why probably the Izzo brand, uh, you know, attracted him because you don't like if you're a one and done guy. You're talking about I want to just put myself in a position to get you know just the most love and the most. Uh, you know, most support from a coach in like a selfish way, Izzo's the last guy you ever think about playing for. Because Izzo yeah. coaches everybody like they're the 15th walk-on on the team. That's why he doesn't get one-and-done guys. Right, because those guys, the, those guys know they're not going to get that kind of, they're not going to get that kind of support. Exactly. In the one-and-done era, the only one-and-done recruit that Izzo's ever gotten from my memory is Gary Harris. Who stayed two years? Stayed like, two he years, yeah. And well, no, he got ja- he got Jaron Jackson. Yeah, and he got Jaron Jackson. I'll give him that as well. Yeah, uh, Jaron Jackson was probably better than people expected. You know, he could have. He, but I think some people expected he'd stay more than one year. But, um, but like those guys, especially Gary Harris, but even a little bit of Jaron Jackson, aren't wired 
are kind of why I like Imani Bates. I agree know? with that. Yeah. Not guys that are super flashy in their personalities. You know, Jaron Jackson's a smart kid. You know, has you know, has personality when you talk to him, but isn't somebody that's gonna go out of his way to be flashy about things. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah. I think I think he fit Imani Bates fits the Michigan State brand more than he fits the 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 Michigan brand. If the Michigan brand, if Juwan Howard wants to kind of re reintegrate the whole Fab Five era of Michigan basketball, I don't know if that's what Imani Bates necessarily wants. No, yeah. I don't think so. I don't think like, that's so. Yeah, I don't think he's that way at this point. But but again, I will stress that. I think. Sorry, Josh, that? Christ- Josh Christopher yeah. fit that brand more, which is why he almost went there. Imani Bates maybe fits more of the Michigan State side. Yeah, and I say all that while saying I think at this point. Imani only being, you know, 16, I think that this made the most sense. I, I still think there's going to be a lot more at play. I think right. as these other schools start to realize, hey, he's, you know, not really going to go to the G League and, you know, professional ball is not an option because there won't be a, uh, the end of the one and done era. Yeah, you're going to see some of the, the, the usual suspects, I think, start to make an extra push. You know, you're going to start to hear your Dukes. You're going to start to hear your Kentuckys back into it. Like these other schools, yeah, they they're gonna get involved, and it's gonna be interesting. I I think that will he could end up at Michigan State, but what do I think he will decommit or at least open up his recruitment again? I do think that that will happen. Um, I I can't see a kid that's that good and that that will be that highly coveted, though he maybe wasn't in the initial opening of the recruitment period. I can't see that commitment standing like that. I don't. That's just how I feel right now. Um, let's move on now to talk about uh, another top player, uh, another top underclassman who now will be a senior this year. Chet Holmgren, class of twenty twenty one, number one player, has cut down his list of schools. Um, I'll give you those 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 schools right now. There are seven of them. It includes Gonzaga, Minnesota, Georgetown, North Carolina, Memphis, Ohio State, and Michigan. So so far, Kendall, uh, who do you see as a leader in the clubhouse? When you when you look at this field of of uh, of uh, possibilities for Chet, yeah, I mean when you look at Chet Holmgren's recruitment, um, he's taken visits to Ohio State and Gonzaga, uh, and I believe Georgetown. Um, I don't think he's taken unofficially. I don't think he's taken visits to uh, certainly not taking visits to Michigan or Memphis because uh, they've gotten in more recently um, in terms of really pushing. Um, and, you know, I don't think he's visited North Carolina as well. Uh, Minnesota, I'm sure he's visited the campus. I can't confirm that, but he's from Minnesota, so I hope so if you're a Minnesota fan. But, um, but no, I think this is a recruitment that is very strange because another, another player that you're talking about a guy that's number one from in most people's eyes in this class, assuming Kuminga follows through his reclassification. We're talking about a kid that's the number one player in the country. Um, certainly a top three player in the country for the class of 2021. And really no blue bloods on his list besides North Carolina. And North Carolina is an up and down blue blood when it comes to recruiting. Some years they're great, some years they're, they're not. Um, but right now, to me, I the way I'd handicap this, I think this is a... Gonzaga, when when you think about Jalen Suggs, his high school teammate, having committed to Gonzaga for this season, 
um, another five star. That's a great sign if you're a Gonzaga fan for next season. Assuming things go well, Jalen Suggs this year, uh, you would think they'd have an inside track. Um, of course, you'd have to hope that Jalen Suggs continues to play uh, at Gonzaga. But um, you know, I think Memphis has made an extra push on Chet Holmgren. They they tried to get in last year, and they've 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 doubled down on that uh, this spring. Um, and I think. You know, I think the other factor that hasn't been included in this, I do think there's a chance that he just, just decides to go pro. In what regard, I don't know what that means, whether that's the G League or that's him going overseas. Um, that I'm skeptical, or not skeptical, but I'm skeptical about his his interest in playing college basketball when I see those teams on his the final list for the number one player in the country. The last time I saw those kind of teams on the final list of a number one or a top two player in the country type of player, it was Jalen Green. And <laughs> what happened with Jalen Green? He decided to go pro. Um, so I, you know, as a Memphis fan, you you do become a little leery, like, well, yeah, we can get to the final three for Chet Holmgren, and it'll look great. I, we could be the final one, just like we were Jalen Green, but they could still decide to go pro. And, you know, it, Jalen Suggs and Chet Holmgren's AAU coach came out last week and said, yeah, you know, I think it would be great for those guys to just go pro. It would be a great option for them. <laughs> and, you know, it's very weird. It's very weird stuff to say from the AAU coach. But, um, I look, I, I do think that's a factor. But right now, those are the three options I would handicap. I just don't think he's going to North Carolina. I don't think he's going to Georgetown. I don't think he's going to Michigan. And sadly for the Minnesota, the hometown Minnesota fans, I think he will be the latest Minnesota high school superstar following Tyus Jones, Gary Trent, Matthew Hurt, all guys that went to Duke, follow those guys, in, and now Jalen Suggs in spurning the uh, Minnesota Golden Gophers. I'll tell you what, man. It's uh, man, Rich Pertino. He still got a job not being able to keep all those guys Think about it. They hired him to get Tyus Jones, not to get Tyus Jones, at that point it was late, but they kind of fired Tubby Smith because they weren't going to get Tyus Jones. Yeah, he was unable to recruit in the state. Right. Yeah, Tyus Jones is the best player, one of the best players in the country, probably the best high school basketball player in the history of Minnesota basketball. Yeah. I wonder why Memphis are not having a But, um, but, and we've had all those guys I mentioned, five-star guys, and none of them have really even gotten close to going to Minnesota. It's an embarrassment. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, yeah, Richard Pertino, this is this is a this is a, a another got to get him situation. I would say that, but at the same time, he he continues to kind of keep his job. I don't know how much longer he can keep losing out on these. He's not walking through that door anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> One of those guys. Yeah, I mean, you know, he keeps continuing to somehow keep his job, but I don't know how much more he, he can survive if he can't now deliver on Chet Holmgren, whatever the situation be, whether he goes to the NBA, whether he goes to one of the other schools. Another bad look, because Minnesota basketball right now is probably at its height in terms of the high school game. I mean, this is weird. I mean, we're seeing now elite, elite talent pretty much every year coming out of that state, and none of those guys are staying home. Ever. 
and that's that's uh, an indictment on that program right now. He's got to call it like it is. Now, in terms of uh, Holmgren, um, he's such an interesting player because I still feel like he's such a, um, I still feel like he's such a question question mark is maybe a harsh word, but like I, I think because Project. Project is harsh too, but <laughs> more that's probably a little better than question mark. I guess the reason why I say that is because I mean his skill level is so undeniable but his frame clearly is not caught up to how he needs to play he's uh rail thin um i mean it just is what it is he's rail he's rail thin he's seven foot one though and he is a big man I mean, he's not a guy who's like i'm a you know he can he can shoot and he can do a lot of things but he's a guy who's going to be playing in the paint and it's impressive that despite where you look at his fra- his his frame and feel like he's probably a little too frail I mean, he, he plays hard, and he, he blocks shots. Yeah, he's an unbelievable shot blocker. Um, and he makes his presence felt in the paint. So that gives you excitement that, wow, man, if you got him in a program that could really develop him. Um, Gonzaga. <laughs> I'm just saying, I've seen Gonzaga do it before, big man. But if you can get into a program, you got him that weight that, that weight training program, and you, with his skill set and his already kind of tenacious uh, defense, Man, you could be looking at a special player, um, so that's why. Like, even though I, I I I understand his spot at number one in terms of like what is Chet Holmgren by the time he's entering the NBA, I really can tell you because I think that he's still yeah develop developing he's, into the whatever player he's going to be. He's polarizing in the in the yeah. high school basketball and recruiting community. There are some people that don't see it. Some people are like, I mean, he's too skinny. He'll never be good. Um, or he was just he's gonna be overrated, you know. He's another TJ Leaf, Matthew Hurt type guy. That I mean, he's seven one. I, I don't yeah, know how you can compare him to those guys. guys. Yeah. You know? Um, and look, I mean, I, I just think again, you're talking about that seven one. When he fills out, he's never that strong, but it'll he it could be enough. Um, I think, and also I think the 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 game on the offensive side of the ball is gonna be important. I think. If he develops his handle and things of that nature and his ISO scoring game, like I don't think he's ever going to need to be a back to the basket scorer. I think, sure. you know, his handle is close to like I'm not going to say he's Kevin Durant. We've seen all those types of guys come up, come through, but like he's not far from the guy who can play on the perimeter full time. And I'm not saying I want that for my seven one center. You want him to have some sort of back to the basket game, but. Um, I think it's going to be interesting. You know, if he wants to be a big man, I'd say go to Georgetown or go to Gonzaga. If he's saying, I'm going to commit to maybe playing more in the perimeter, I'd say go to Memphis. Yeah. Or go to G League. But, um, I, yeah. I, I, I think those are going to be interesting factors in his recruitment. Yeah, that's a good point about Holmgren because when I think about, especially Gonzaga and how they play, I mean, they run a very traditional high low offense. Um, they're not a situation. They're not going to be in a position where the big man is going to be, you know, isoing on the perimeter or getting really a lot of ISO situations. Um, they're a well-oiled machine, but um, but they run a system, and and it, it requires the big man to be uh, very disciplined in kind of running the system and getting the shots that are available in the offense. And with Holmgren really kind of experimenting with his game and growing his game on the perimeter, how that meshes with how Gonzaga plays. Right now, I would say it doesn't, but I'd also argue that Holmgren needs to 
develop the kind of interior game that I think he could only he would best learn at Gonzaga. I think that right. obviously, you know, playing on the Pat Ewing with uh at Georgetown, you know, he's coached Dwight Howard, he's coached Yao Ming. Though right. that would be it. That it, I mean, yeah, it, it's unlikely, but that would be the place. I say, okay, that's another place where you can go. Now, the go only ahead. thing I love about Gonzaga is that while we do talk about, yeah, he could really develop his post game, a la Kelly Olynyk, mm-hmm. Sabonis, Zach Collins, even Drew Timmy and Petrosev. But the fact that look, Drew Timmy, I don't expect him to go to the NBA next year. I could be wrong. We've we've seen Gonzaga guys, you know. Yeah, I I, just, I would yeah I would not bet anything. Yeah. All all this time in the quarantine, he's in the hyperbaric chamber that Gonzaga yeah. does, and who knows what he comes out. But assuming Drew Timmy is back, those guys could play in the front court together, and Drew Timmy's a primarily post player. Maybe Chet Holmgren does float on the perimeter with Gonzaga. On the offensive side of the ball, but Timmy, know. but I mean, if you're talking about their roster, I mean, Timmy is kind of that like stretch for talent. Like I'd write, like to me, he's way more versatile than Holmgren is. Like, I'm not. Yeah, I mean, Chuck Holmgren, like, like I at this, I mean, Chuck Holmgren's a high school player. So. Yeah, I see what you're saying, but like physically, Drew Timmy by his junior year is going to be a bigger, stronger. You know, right? But I, I and I agree with that. And again, I just said I don't want to put past whatever Gonzaga does their players in the offseason. But I don't know if he's ever going to be Demonis Sabonis, you know, who was just right. a, a hammer. You know the guy that Drew Timmy reminded me of coming out of high school, and I'm sure you watched him at Gonzaga more than I did. Yeah. But he remind I got Frank Kaminsky vibes. So, you know, whether or not he played like that last year, I do wonder if that's that may end up being his track once he becomes comfortable, you know, and Petrosev isn't there. Like, he didn't have to do that because they, they had a guy like that who could play right. in the post. Um, but I do I do wonder if, you know, he does fill that Olenek role. Um, and can those guys play together? If not, if there is some overlap, then, I again, that would be the concern is they have big men. They have not just Petrosev, but Omar Ballo. You know, it's he guy that yeah. comes, you know, like uh, they have other big men. Um, so that's going to be something that we also have to look at with Gonzaga, where the school like Memphis, he's going to come in and be the guy. Yeah, on Memphis, the- yeah, Penny kind of, he kind of recruits in a way in which he's just like, I got nobody here, man. So if I don't yeah. got you, if, I don't, if you don't come here, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I mean, he finds a way to fill the spot every time, but he <laughs> makes it very, he makes it very clear. I, you're my plan A, B, and C. So, yeah. So if if Hungry kind of wants to just be able to let loose and 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 have you know full reign of kind of his game, you know I do agree that Memphis would be a good option. I, I you know I wouldn't I wouldn't I would not count out uh, North Carolina either. You know every now and then North Carolina really kind of they 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 hit a home run on some of these big recruits with Roy. Yeah, I, I can't remember <laughs> last time Roy's gotten a great big man. It's been a while, right? Like like a center, yes. Yeah, so like a center. I mean, Tyler Zeller was good. Yeah, he was good. That's what I would say. <laughs> I would say yeah. he was good. Was he? Yeah. Was he no one player type of guy? No. No. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, mean, so, I don't know if you've ever gotten that guy at the yeah, center. So, the, but the fact that Holmgren's thinking about him, he like because again, I don't feel like Carolina's ever in these conversations. Like you know, 
Georgetown's always in these conversations with these big men. You know, some of these schools are kind of always in the conversation with these big men. North Carolina right. isn't. So the fact that they're in it makes me think that he is seriously considering them, and that's going to be a team I think to follow because they're the most established program of all the programs that I hear. And as we know, those are the programs. You know, sometimes you kind of like because of sometimes the fit of these other schools or this one other school may be the hot name right now. We kind of just dismissed the, the the bluest of blue bloods, but. I- Whenever Carolina's in the conversation, they're going to be heard. Yeah, and Ohio State's also an odd team on this list. I don't know if, you know, he's just... I don't know what to make of the Ohio State thing. Yeah. Yeah, But, you know, they just haven't really been involved in in any, you know, kind of top five guys, top ten guys, really, since Chris Holtman's been the coach. But you are in a situation, though, where, you know, know, obviously he's looking at... um, you know, we got Gonzaga, Georgetown, Carolina, Memphis outside of the Big Ten. But remember, he is from North Minnesota. So right. Michigan, Ohio you State, know. Minnesota, you know, that's all close to home. And, you know, playing against kids he's used to playing against, family getting able to travel to these games more. So I'm sure that is a big reason why those schools are being mentioned. I think Michigan also I would not uh, – because he definitely seems like the kind of kid I can see going to Michigan. I would not uh, – Count them out either. I know we didn't so talk the about that. The moral story is, uh, don't count out anyone on Jay Holmgren's list except for Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, history shows us that Minnesota thing ain't happening. If, if I if 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 you had to log in a, a crystal ball, uh, or you, we can't say crystal ball because that's uh that's you know copyrighted, that's trademarked by two four seven. But you have to put in a prediction for Jay Holmgren's commitment. Where are you uh, putting that into? Uh, I mean, I'm a, I mean, I'm a Gonzaga fan, so of course I'm gonna say Gonzaga. I actually do though think that the they momentum, the momentum with Suggs, the homegrown thing we've been hearing, pretty much. I mean, since it was established that he'd be, yeah. When we started talking about schools, Gonzaga was the first team that was being mentioned. So it seems like Few has a mini pipeline at that high school, and I, and to me. Where Hunger needs to be as a player, again, who, what's the best program I think to get him there after doing his one year? Absolutely, to me, that's Gonzaga. To me, if I was logging in a pick, I'm I'm going pro. It, it's unfortunate because I hope he goes to. I hope he could play college basketball. So you think it's so you think it's G League? Um, or yeah, it's overseas. Safest bet. I don't see why a guy would go overseas at this point. Um. So yeah, I'd say the safest bet is uh is the G League, and I think the conspiracy Kendall says the conspiracy theorist to me says, why aren't Kentucky and Duke recruiting? And hmm. you know, like, is it just because they 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 don't buy it? We've seen that before. Sometimes the t- these schools don't recruit a guy because they don't. The schools know more than the. The recruiting services that the guy is probably not worth it. And we say that, but like, but I mean, you never know though, because sometimes you know these big schools and their aggressive, heavy-handed way of recruiting sometimes rubs families and parents the wrong way too. And yeah. you know, I, this is information I know off the record, so I'm not gonna name who the player is, but I know that Kentucky was very interested in a very in a top player who was coming out in the last, let's say, seven years. Um, since, since the one-and-done era. 
Calgary. Yeah, yeah, one of the top player, one of the top three or four players in his class in the one and then era. And um, I, again, I don't want to identify the player because I got this information off the record. But there's a situation where, however, Cal Perry and UK was moving did not fly with the family. And the family made it known very early on in, his, in that player's recruitment. This my son is never going to your school. Get away from me. And wow. I only say that story because when when we have a situation where you're like, why is like Duke and Kentucky not involved in number one player? Again, some families don't they don't rock with how some of these teams move, or some players don't like how some of these teams move for whatever reason. You know, I'm wearing this Ken Griffey shirt, and it kind of reminds me of Ken Griffey telling the story in that documentary about how he hates the Yankees. And it dates back to when his dad was playing for them. Like, there are little things that could happen that can make you just say, I'm never going to even think about that school. And those schools know. And they know, and they say, I, I ain't touching that guy because we did something that messed that up, and we're not even going to be involved. So I, I don't want to say for sure that means that, oh, he's not really interested in college. It could just be that the 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 bluest of blue bloods and, and however they operate did not fly with these families. I think you see that sometimes when you see these guys that do commit to some of these schools. You're like, how come none of the biggest schools were involved? Sometimes you think, is it, can he get uh, qualified? That's not the situation because he's looking at Michigan and, you know, is it, you know, Ohio State and North Carolina. North Carolina, no, academics have been kind of up and down typically. But Georgetown, like, these are all schools that, you know, obviously it's not a qualifying situation in terms of athletic uh, academics or anything like that. So that's I, that's one reason why I bring up that story to say you never know why the the top schools aren't involved. But well, sometimes well, it can be very personal. About, yeah, off, off the air we'll, we'll have a discussion. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let you I, know. I think I have an idea, but we'll talk about that. Um, now the last story we got to talk about today: ESPN came out with its top twenty-five players of the class of two thousand twenty-three. Um, this was a controversial list to some people. The top three included Mikey Williams at number three, Oakland big man Jalen Lewis at number two. And DJ Wagner, the son of former number two overall pick, Dewan Wagner at number one. Brian James did make the list. He was at 24. Kendall, what do you make of this top three and Bronny's spot on this list? Yeah, I mean, I guess to a lot of people, this was a bit of a surprise because Mikey Williams is the most high profile. I mean, of course, Bronny is the most high profile, but I think most people understood at this point he wasn't the number one freshman in the country. Um, mm-hmm. But Mikey Williams had, you know, emerged as the most high-profile kind of freshman in the country uh, for a lot of people in high school basketball circles, and it became clear to a lot of people that he was probably the best freshman in the country. Um, but that's a lot of people. That's for a lot of people that weren't familiar with the name DJ Wagner. Uh, like you mentioned, of course, son of Dewan Wagner, former Memphis great. Actually, the reason why I am a Memphis fan, for a lot of people that don't know, uh, grew up as a Dewan Wagner fan, and that blossomed into a uh, a uh, fandom of Memphis basketball in general. But um, but yeah, so it's obviously it's, I feel old now that Dewan Wagner Jr. is out there playing high school basketball. But um, yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, I can imagine uh, you feel older than I do, but. Um, but no, look, I mean, Mikey Williams, the thing about Mikey Williams that people got to understand versus someone like D.J. Wagner, Jalen Lewis is a unique case because, look, the kid's like 6'8", the freshman, dunking. I mean, I don't know what that's going to translate to, but it, it's certainly great now, but so I could see why somebody would 
uh, go with Jalen Lewis over Mikey Williams. And he also played for a better school out in California at Bishop O'Dowd. But uh, San Ysidro, Mikey Williams High School out in San Diego, while they were a flashy team, Mikey Williams had some epic performances, uh, they were not playing the toughest competition in the country. I'll just put it that way. Um, I'm not saying they're a JV team or they're playing as JV teams. Uh, I'm not a California high school basketball expert, so I can't give you really an analogy. But from a broad sense, if DJ Wagner was playing varsity, Mikey Williams is playing JV. And, like, while Mikey Williams' stats were much better than DJ Wagner's uh, from a numbers perspective, DJ Wagner played on a team in Camden that was, outside of Montverde, possibly the best team in high school basketball. You know, he played with not only, he played, that team not only had DJ Wagner, who was obviously just freshman, but Lance Ware, who's going to Kentucky next season, uh, a top 50 player in the country, you know, with another prominent player on that Camden team. And they had a lot of great performances and, you know, DJ Wagner's played on ESPN and a lot of games and played games on ESPN and played in tournaments all across the country. So if you're from ESPN's perspective, you've watched DJ Wagner, not only on the high school level, but he also was the youngest player and the only player in his class to be invited to USA basketball's national mini camp, junior mini camp. Uh, last fall, uh, the only player, the only freshman who hadn't played any a game, a single minute of high school basketball uh, was invited to that camp. And it was DJ Wagner it was not Mikey Williams, it was not Bronny James. So look, and DJ Wagner, by all accounts, was I wouldn't say was dominant because he's playing his older players, but was very impressive. So it's not a shock to people that are following high school basketball. DJ Wagner, if you watch his game, the kid is not he's nice. You know, for a player as a freshman in high school, um, he looks, he has a very mature game for a guard. He looks like he could play. I don't want to overreact that he could play college basketball right now, but I mean, I, I mean, I would. <laughs> you know, he's big yeah. enough at this point, six, boy, six one, six two, whatever he is. He's got the game. I mean, he could certainly looks like he has the game to play college basketball at this point. He's only a freshman in high school. Mikey Williams, you would think the same thing, but Mikey Williams' game necessarily isn't as mature as DJ Wagner. I think his physical attributes are more mature. He's more athletic, stronger. Uh, so that those things are impressive. But, look, Mikey Williams, you know, I, I mean, he's whatever he is, 15 or whatever, and he's making videos calling out DJ Wagner, calling out Camden's coach uh, for not scheduling them, calling out Paul B. and Cardi. He can do that. Mm-hmm. But if we're, just, if we're just being completely honest, if Camden last season or Camden next season played San Ysidro High School, Camden's winning by 30. So, you know. Oh, I mean, wow, a bold statement there. Yeah, I mean, especially last season. I mean, next season, San Ysidro yeah. is going to – they're starting to bring in some guys that want to play with Mike Williams, uh-huh. Camden, and Lance Ware. So it may be a closer matchup, but Camden's a better school. Like, right. why would you want to play some school like that? So, I mean, it's interesting. But I'll let you. I'll let you go on that. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, DJ Wagner, six uh, three, so he's a couple inches taller than Mikey Williams right now, who's only six one. Um, Mikey 
is uh, Mikey in many ways is more flashy. So why I get why a lot of people viewed him as more viral, more of a phenom, more hyped. You know, he's more athletic. He's got way more personality. Um, he, you know, as we saw in that again the video you're talking about, where he was basically slamming everybody, including DJ Wagner, including Paul Biancardi. Um, he's not afraid to speak his mind. Paul Biancardi is the nicest man in college basketball. I've met Paul Biancardi. He's a great dude. <laughs> so, so I mean, I'm not saying, and, you know, I know there's some saying, oh, maybe Mikey talking about the HBCUs is why he's now number three. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not gonna say one way or the other. I don't think you know. I don't want to make any Look, kind of, I, that kind of accusation against Paul Pierce Party. But but there are a lot of politics that go into this. No question. There, there's a lot of the politics is legit. Yeah. But I'm 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 the biggest tinfoil hat guy that's gonna be like, oh, <laughs> committed to uh, Kentucky. You know, all say he moved up 20 spots. You know, or he yeah. committed to Memphis and all saying he dropped 50 spots. But I, I just don't think that they're making those types of decisions when it comes to the number one player in the country because it's not, it's not in their best interest. Right, exactly. At the end of the day, they need to be right when it comes right. to the number one. When it comes to like, and also I think, eighteen and twelve, yeah, things can be fudged. And I also, and I also think that you know if being Cardi, if the accusation is being Cardi is like, you know, an arm for these college coaches, and this is them kind of punishing Mikey. Well, that doesn't help their calls and getting Mikey to go to their school. So, which is still up in the air and still very well could happen. So I don't see why Paul or anybody ESPN would feel the need to do that. Um, but again, there are policies being played and people make foolish moves all the time. So just because it doesn't make sense to me, doesn't mean someone wouldn't try to do it. Nonetheless, uh, for all the reasons I mentioned, Mikey's athleticism, his character, his personality, I think, you know, even his hair, like everything about him is way more marketable, way more interesting, way more exciting. Um, he's from a bigger city. Uh, so that that makes sense. But DJ is not someone to be underestimated as a, as a prospect. I mean, when I watch him play, again, you talk about maturity. I mean, he does not play like a freshman. I don't, and I know that's like, you say, well, what does that mean? I, I don't know how to describe it, but when you, if you had to watch, if you watched him play and you said, and you, I showed you a twenty-minute highlight reel, and then you'd be like, "What school is he going to?" Yeah, you'd be like, "Where's he playing next year?" And you're like, "That guy's a freshman, high school freshman." You'd be like, "What?" Like that's how polished his game is, and and sometimes, um, like certain guys are mixtape guys, but sometimes you have to like have to have watched watch the play whole game basketball. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah. Like, wow, that kid's a freshman playing on one of the best teams in the country, and yeah. he's like their second best player. Right, that's that's a serious deal. Like Bronny, who we'll talk about, comes off the bench, averages like seven points. Like he's a good player, and I think Bronny's gonna have a nice future. But like DJ Wagner, would be the best player on a lot of high school basketball teams now. Yeah, as a freshman, and I'm not I'm not talking about your random school in San Diego. I'm talking about like national powerhouses. He'd be the best player on the team. Yeah, yeah, you he's know? that. Yeah, he's that good. I mean, his shooting is just. Yeah, his jump shot is I mean, just a, he's a dead-eye three-point shooter, um, effortless motion, effortless range, uh, handles super tight, excellent finisher, right hand, left hand. Like to me, if you're looking at weakness, I mean, he doesn't look like the 
greatest athlete, but I don't think that it's a like he's a bad athlete. He's not, yeah. you know, he's not somebody like Mikey. Clearly, is um, like the 99th percentile type of athlete. You know, a guy six yeah. one that does what he Great. does as a freshman. When he grows out, grows and gets bigger and stronger, what he's going to be able to do above the rim for defenders, I, I pity them. But um, and he and he's got a lot of skill too. I don't want to make it sound like he's not nearly. He's nowhere near the same skill level as Wagner. But I, I think because of that. That's why maybe some people say, well, if you look at a Wagner highlight film, he's not doing the spectacular things Mikey's doing. It's like, okay, but like him catching an alley off a backboard and dunking on some 5'3 freshman or junior from some school that no, I've never heard of, it's cool. And it's not to be just taken completely like like it doesn't matter because we saw Zion doing that and we probably didn't <laughs> give it nearly as much credit as we should have um, in terms of ranking him as, as amongst top players. But at the same time, like, like, like Wagner's skill level is truly legit, and he is a yeah. little taller too, and that is a fact too. And he's playing on a, on a, on a better team, playing his better competition. So I I, I can see why he's number one. I, I'll be honest, I don't really like the Jalen Lewis spot at number two. I think that's where I, if I was Mikey, I'd be more having to beef with. You know, Jalen Lewis, six eight, six nine, kid's really good. I mean, he's 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 uh, he's better than I am. Right, oh, obviously. But, like, I mean, you know, good hands, excellent shot blocker, good around the basket. He's got a great foundation for a, a low post game already. Like, there's a lot to like about him. But when you ever talk about a big man, like, to me, it's just like it's a flip of the coin what they're going to turn into. And I, I can't make that guy number two. Like, he's right, right. kids really good, and he's probably going to be a great player. But I think what Mikey's already shown already with his skill level and his athleticism right. I, I can't take someone like Jalen, who still yeah. to me, that's, it's still that's it's still a mold of clay. You know, I don't know is he, how much more he's going to grow. Is he only going to be six eight? Because no way I'm putting a six eight center at number two ahead of you know Mikey Williams. Now if he grows to six eleven or seven feet, all right, that's a different conversation. Yeah, but Mikey at six one is already nice. I already know what he is because right. like Mikey and DJ Wagner are guys like I mentioned could play college basketball tomorrow. Like DJ Wagner, I think more ready than any of them, but mm-hmm. Jalen Lewis couldn't. Um, not any high level, but like you said, if he grows to six ten and continues his dominance in the paint, worst case scenario, you'd think like, oh, he's Vernon Carey, <laughs> you know? Right, I mean, yeah. that is a top five player in the country, regardless of what of what year he's in. So and one thing I do like about Jalen, man, um, we want to talk about uh, finishing with authority. You know, I think his his body's still catching up to the athleticism that he, he he's gonna have. But, I when mean, this guy, oh. yeah, because he's already throwing it on people <laughs> in the paint. And I'm like, whoa, okay. Now, You're only 6'8", fam. <laughs> like, you dumping like that? Like, one he, he's going to be scary. He's going to be good. I'm just saying, I don't know if I, I'd have him at number two right now. The, the last thing I'd want to say on DJ Wagner, uh, before we touch on Bronny real quick, is, first of all, fun fact, if, when he's going to be down American more than likely, um, he's going to be the first third generation McDonald's All American. That's amazing. You know, because obviously his grandfather, Milt Wagner, yeah. Yeah, Louis, Louis McDonald American. Uh, and his dad, Dwan, obviously probably the best player in high school basketball his year. Uh, uh, obviously McDonald American before he went to Memphis. So, uh, excellent fun fact. And 100%. Obviously, his dad went to Memphis. So, as a Memphis fan, you kind of hope, oh, maybe that'll happen. But 
almost 99.9% chance if John Calipari is coaching at Kentucky, DJ Wagner will be at Kentucky. It's unfortunate. <laughs> I got I to gotta get a round of applause, by the way, to uh, to that fact. That was a good fact. Uh, round of applause to DJ Wagner and the Wagner family. But anyway, continue. Yeah. But yeah, 99.9% chance. Dewan Wagner, the way he talks about John Kyle Perry, essentially saying Kyle Perry saved his life telling, by telling him to go to the NBA instead of when he wanted to come back to college. Mm-hmm. Um, like, because obviously had he come back to college, maybe he would have had the same problems he had in the NBA physically. Yeah, and um, would he have had the money and the medical yeah, resources exactly. to take care of it? Yeah, Man, I, 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 I feel bad for the people who didn't know how just ridiculously nasty Dewan Wagner was. Like, Dewan Wagner may still be the best high school guard I've ever seen. Wow. And that sounds crazy considering I've seen Rose, I've seen John Wall, I've seen yeah, some John great Wall. ones. Brandon Jennings was great. <laughs> Dewan Wagner was just ridiculous. I mean, just handle, jump shot, athleticism, passing, strength, yeah. strength like just zero zero weaknesses in his game. Like all those other guys, great players, but I can say, okay, Derrick Rose wasn't the greatest shooter coming out of high school. John Wall also not the greatest shooter. Um, you know, all these guards, you know, Brandon Jennings, small, you know, not not that strong, you know. Right. Each each one of these guards all great, but some weaknesses they say, okay, that, you know, that's and they, some of these guys starting to be, you know, Borderline Hall of Famers or you know multi multi time All Star players MVPs when it comes to Rose, but in terms of again a high school guard, Wagner was again the best I've ever seen. I, guy legitimately had no weaknesses. He could shoot. His handle was as good as anybody I've ever seen. He was strong. He was fast. He was a great leader. He could defend like, and that's why he went to Memphis, lit it up one year. Number two pick in the draft as a point guard, like. He he was the real deal, and it's 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 unfortunate that you know health got in the way, and you know, and, and that we didn't get to see him become I think the multi-time All Star he would have been. That's how that's how nasty he was. And it's crazy that he was only years away, years removed potentially playing with LeBron James. And who's to say that Dwan Wagner didn't have those issues that you're not talking yeah. about? You no, know, he did play with LeBron, but he just right, but he wasn't the same player. He was it was yeah, done. Yeah, it, it yeah, was a wrap. But imagine um, if Le- Wagner never got had any of those concerns and he got to live up to his potential. Maybe LeBron never leaves Cleveland. Maybe you're talking about a new Cleveland dynasty. You're talking about LeBron. Yeah, maybe, have the way, maybe Wade and, and LeBron is in Cleveland. Right, the, exactly. Wade and LeBron. Now, my question would be, what do you, speaking of LeBron, what do you yeah. think about Bronny coming in at 24? Obviously, I can't compare him to any of the guys ahead of him. Uh, a lot yeah, of I names, don't know any of those guys. Yeah, you know, <laughs> a lot of people aren't familiar with no AAU season, so a lot of people won't be familiar with them next year as well. May not even be a high school season. By the way, you know, we kind of all know what the deal is with Bronny. You know, he'll have a good future. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think he should go straight out of high school if he can. I think he should play college basketball. Um, by the way, I think there's a chance DJ Wagner may go to Kentucky regardless of the rule. That's how much Dewan Wagner loves Cal Perry. Right. And Dewan Wagner did the same thing. So yeah. keep that in if you're a Kentucky fan. But um, what do you make of the fact that there are going to be teams playing AU, AU tournaments? There have been teams playing AU tournaments. There are going to be teams playing AU tournaments. There's a tournament in Vegas happening right, at right now. 
Chad Holmgren is like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to play. But yeah, team- it's crazy. Yeah, it's, 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 well, I mean, AAU basketball, you know, obviously it's, it's big, wild, wild west. Yeah, and, you know, it's a big part of our show. So I'm not going to, you know, slam it. But, you know, these this is the kind of nonsense you see where you're just like, come on, man. Pandemic, coronavirus raging throughout the country, and we're playing AAU games. Yeah. These kids are going to be still playing three games in, in, you know, in one day, three games in eight hours, four, four hours, like, that's yeah. not the kind. Are they staying in the bubble? <laughs> no. Nope. Yeah, there, yeah. There's no, there's no AU bubble. Yeah, that's not happening. Yeah, that's very, that's very nasty. I'm not, I'm not for that. That's, that's, that's not a good idea. You know, when yeah, you're talking not, about yeah. playing with kids' health, I know, most part, kids don't seem to have the, the, the grave conditions that yeah. older <laughs> folks seem to have. Yeah, but even if it's those these kids transmitting that virus to, you know, older people, that's still terrible. And um, so yeah, I'm not for that, but. But Bronny James, I'm happy you made the list. I mean, Bronny is very talented, um, a really good shooter, really smart player. Like, whenever I watch him play, I'm always very impressed with how, similar to his dad, like, the game always seems to come to him. Like, I, especially when you see these national TV games, I kind of, I'm kind of waiting for that moment where, like, oh, Bronny's trying to do way too much because of the, the moment or the spotlight. Drake's being courtside. He's going to go nuts. And he never does. I mean, I don't want to say never. Not that like I've watched every game he's played, but the games I've seen, he doesn't do that. He seems to always play within the team system. You know, he knows he's the fourth or fifth option on his team, but he plays the right way, plays the team system, and he's a clutch player. Um, and, and he's a smart player. He, he's he's good, you know? I mean, you know, he's already 6'2". We'll see how much he grows. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there's no when you watch him play, like he's not like, oh, he's only out there because he's Brian James. Like he helps his team win. Like he yeah. deserves to be out there. So if you're talking about you're playing on the top, you, you know, they were state champions. So you're playing one of the best high schools in the country. You're a freshman, and you're not like just out there as oh, because you're LeBron James' son, so we getting you some burn. Like you actually can play, and you're helping we the team win win championships. His son didn't play. <laughs> uh, yeah. And his son, his son was a senior. And you know, Dwayne Wade, you know, obviously was very vocal about, you know, the coach, very Lavar in a very Lavar Ball esque way. Really, uh, I didn't even know that. Oh yeah, he went on TNT. You don't remember this? He, he went on TNT. No. It was like right when the pandemic. You know, they were playing the state championship or whatever, and you know they were talking about it. They were showing the highlight of Zaire Williams hitting a game winning shot to send them to the state championship game, and. Uh-huh. You know, Adam Lefko, the host, asked D Wade, was like, Oh, yeah, you're going to be at the state championship game? D Wade was like, Nah. He was like, Why not? <laughs> Whatever. Shaq might have been like, Why not? And he was like, I, I don't want to fight the coach or something like that. <laughs> I'm not playing my son. I'm like, Wow. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, D Wade, not a fan of Sierra Canyon. Uh, if, though, if people didn't realize that. But, yeah, yeah that's Bronny, true. All season, I've never seen, you know, they made a big deal about Bronny and, and Zaire being teammates. It was, Zaire it dealt was, with injuries. I never, I never, and LeBron was very, you know, supportive of at these games. I never saw D Wade at anything involving Sierra Canyon. I didn't <laughs> think about it until just now. Yep. And you and LeBron, he talks about LeBron being one of his best friends in the world, and I believe him. I don't think he's making that up. Yeah. So the idea that he ain't showing up to anything with LeBron repping them that hard, yeah, that's a that's a and that's a very personal next. issue. Yeah, yeah, and that yeah, exactly. He's close with Bronny, exactly. You know, but it, 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 again, he just has, it's not any beef to the war with LeBron or Bronny. It's just the coach, it, anybody, any parent would be like, I, yeah, you know, my, 
my son could be out there. If I don't like the coach, I, you know, I'm not going to – I mean, you can say I'm not going to go, but, like, he, he's seriously saying I don't want to fight the guy. But uh, <laughs> we see, you know, that's that's not like a – that's not an unusual thing in high school basketball. It's just normally right. not public to, uh, you know, the entire world. Um, what, I, what I do want to say, though, last thing about Bronny is that very, like you mentioned, very high IQ player. Yeah. And I, basketball intelligence goes a long way when you're evaluating players. And he's got it. So, uh, look, some of the physical traits you don't know about yet, but he is LeBron's son, so you feel good about that. And you don't know how much he's going to grow, but he's got – he can shoot, and he's a very high IQ player. So I, I would not be shocked if he rises rapidly on this list. And he also plays for a premier high school and will be given the keys to that high school very soon, if not next season by his junior year. So Yeah, yeah, Bronny yeah, Bronny's not all hype. He's a legit player. Like, you know, you know, is he the best player in this class? No. But is he a legit Donald American type of guy? Guy who's gonna be one of the best players once he's a senior in high school basketball? He he yeah, it looks like that's gonna happen. You know, you never know what's gonna happen over the next some odd years. That's why these freshman lists are always weird to me because it's like I don't know what this guy's gonna be like. That's why again, you know, you know, again, shout out to to uh, to what's the name to to Jalen Lewis, but I'm just like, you know, it's still such a mystery with all of these guys. You know, I remember being in high school and seeing the guys that were ranked high as freshmen, and some of those guys, they weren't even top fifty by the time they got to be seniors. You know, and it's not that they were not, not there's nothing wrong with that. Like they they could be really good players, and but like. Other kids develop, other kids grow five inches, other kids, you know, all of a sudden they could jump through the moon, like, you know, the the I you know, the whole puberty stage, like, you know, it, it's it's so unpredictable. Some guys never grow, like it's it's so these I lists are like they're they're fun, but like it's kind of like unfortunate because like sometimes these kids didn't have to live up something that that they they could never live up to because of circumstances that have nothing to do with them. They could work as hard as they want. As you know, UJ, I, I went to high school with multiple D1 college basketball players. And guys that all were in my class. They all went, a lot of them went D1. And I so I, so I came in with guys in high school, some ranked in the top 100 in the nation that didn't play any level of college basketball. Coming into high school, number one, top 100. And I, I've also seen guys... I've also gone to school with guys that have uh, come that weren't ranked on any list that <laughs> end up playing D1 college basketball. And I've seen guys that were top 50 in the country at one point uh, as freshmen coming in that played low major, mid major basketball. And it's not nothing wrong with that. Now, technically, we're now playing uh, high major, but um, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's impressive. But it just shows you that it's the ranking as a freshman is largely irrelevant. You could be a guy that's unranked and end up playing. You end up being a fairly big recruit by the time you graduate, or you could be a guy that was, you know, top one hundred and you don't end up playing college basketball. You end up switching a sport. Like there's still a lot of time. Um, so I, you know, it's 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 still very very volatile. But we feel like we have a good idea on DJ Wagner. Jalen Lewis, Mikey Williams, and probably Bronny James as well. well. That's going to do it on this episode of the Uncommitted Podcast. Of course, if you like this show, be sure to check us out on, of course, our YouTube channel, New Generation Media, as well as our various audio sources for our podcast. 
You can listen on the New Generation Podcast Network. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also catch us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search us, New Generation Media. You'll find us there. You can find me on uh, Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, and on Instagram, Action EJ. Thank you guys so much for listening in. Uh, and, uh, uh, let me just throw in that, you know, be on the lookout. If Musa Cisse commits, we may do a, uh, a special episode. Yeah, exactly. Committed. Yes, so. we may have a bonus on committed for this month. So uh, be on the lookout for that as well. On our, again, our YouTube channel, all of our uh, podcast uh, hosts. But for Kendall, I'm EJ. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Take it easy, guys. Peace.